Hey Pete. Did you ready for the intro? Yep. Oh, yeah. We have a lot of peaches uh, over there in Sullivan, Illinois, don't we? <laughs> well, everybody, it's back to the Rural Requiem, and we are so thrilled that you're all back with us and that you joined us on our last adventure into this, uh, you know, amazing divine rural comedy, you know, with the clerks. It's kind of a, <laughs> oh man, it's been an exciting time. I had no idea what was going to happen when I set into my, when I set off to go to that dinner over there, uh, the Moultrie County Democratic Dinner. And um, I was, you know, looking forward to seeing everybody. But apparently they were not. Because I walked in and. Uh, Bill Berger came right up to me and um, told me I was not welcome. Um, I was just stunned. But, um, you know, my mom only helped set up the thing. Yeah. It was a pretty low moment for all of them, I have, I have to say. But, I, um, so I didn't get my fried chicken. And that's unfortunate. But, I did get invited to the Moultrie County Republican breakfast that um, happened on Monday. <laughs> I mean, I had no idea that would happen and uh and so that was a real interesting experience so i've had um, quite the time been very busy and traipsing all over the place doing some more interviews listening to a lot more people because a lot of stuff has been coming my way yeah there's that is for sure there's a lot more information that I have so we're moving out of the inferno you know that was lit long before that primary back in June and long before that uh, 21 year incumbent quit abruptly with 85 days before the office she was vacating was mandated to begin early voting you know which is you know already happening we got what is today oh yeah it's like 21 days left for voting, you know. So here are uh, two surprises to lighten the mood. Yeah, the uh, Schuyler County Clerk's Office, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right because I'm, I'm awful sometimes with this stuff. Uh, well, you know, they were in the news. So I have been targeting this stuff for a while, right? And actually, I want to queue up a moment here so just one second okay 
Uh, it'll be just a second. I because something came up on the uh, Illinois n news media. Uh, this was about probably about a month, month and a half ago, and I was about to put out my first article about all of this, and this put me uh, put the brakes on it because I realized there was going to be major pushback, and then literally the next day was, um, I believe, the um, article that Georgia put in to the news progress about her awards. So let me cue that up. Okay, one second. So we are ready. This is uh, Capital View. If you've never seen this, it could be because it's on WSIU. Uh, you can get it online. Uh, go to the Southern, I believe, and WSIU.org. Uh, possibly. I'll put all these links on something. Well, so I really like this program because it's just a, it has an array of voices and they change constantly. And they just happen to do a whole, you know, segment on county clerks. And this is what put the, the brakes on my entire uh, article coming out about a month or two earlier. So, because I really wanted to go a little more in depth on everything and make sure to really nail down every fact. That's why it takes a lot longer for these to come out. So here we go. John, we've seen some talk in other states especially um, calling into question the administration of elections. In many states, uh, the Secretary of State is in charge of the elections in that state. Here in Illinois, we have an Illinois State Board of Elections that handles as well as the possibility for issues in the 2022 election. Is that sowing of doubt going to really impact this election, do you think? And are any of those claims with merit? I want to separate the national from the state in this case because nationally it's a big problem. There's no doubt that what election deniers from the 2020 election are getting elected. They're winning Republican primaries for all kinds of crucial positions like Secretary of State. Uh, they are getting into key places if they win the general election. Uh, that have to do with the administration of the elections and have to do with what happens after the election is over. Uh, I think it's a huge problem undermining our faith in uh, the American electoral system. Uh, I think it's different in Illinois to the extent that Illinois really has a good electoral system. It is decentralized to the county clerks mostly. Those county clerks do a great job. Uh, county clerks, Democrat and Republican, have been bipartisan and they've been professional for as long as I've lived in this state. Uh, and they have, I think, the trust of the people because so many people have volunteered to serve in election positions. They go and do 14 or 15 hours for very little pay and they're good citizens for doing it. Many of them are senior citizens, and they know that Illinois elections are well run, and they, I think, are the backbone of the whole system. And the Illinois State Board of Elections is an extraordinarily good, well-run operation, very little deep polarization and partisanship in the years that uh, the administration has been in either and in terms of what state administration is doing. So I think in Illinois, it's not a major problem yet. I uh, know there are some pockets of this kind of national politics that's spilling over and it could become a problem. Uh, I think Illinois right now though, still has a great deal of faith in the way our elections are run. I know in, in my own work and coverage, I'm hearing from some county clerks in this area that are trying to kind of explain to people the process of how these elections are organized. Uh, Mike, are you seeing some of the same kind of almost public service announcements or, or get out the information campaigns from the county clerks about how they do what they do and why it's so much more secure? I, I have, and I think that it's almost a important PSA type of message that's going out to people, specifically after former President Trump inspired people across the country and a, a fringe amount here in Illinois to uh, 
continue spreading the the big lie of 2020 and, and it could possibly spread into 2022 where now we we have perfect example uh darren bailey's campaign for governor is actively trying to recruit people to be poll watchers and they have an election integrity officer that's part of their team who was also at the Capitol on January 6th. So people have to think about who they're getting their information from. And you could rely upon a county official who is in charge of your elections, like a, a county clerk or the State Board of Elections, as compared to others that may be trying to get you to believe that national narrative. But I, I agree with John that Illinois is in a much better place than other states in terms of election integrity. So as you can tell, this story is getting larger by the second because we are uncovering story after story after story that it just strikes at the heart of this system of trust. And one thing that I've heard time and time again is, you know, George's above reproach, right? She's, they trust her. She's been around for 21 years. She's their best friend. You know, she knows how to manage uh, situations that are difficult. You know, she's dealt with a lot of stuff over the years. Oh, not easy stuff. So, let's talk about uh, Schuyler County. Uh, so, Schuyler County this is such a crazy story. I can't even believe this happened. I mean, this is beyond belief. I couldn't believe it. Um, and of course, it just lands right in the middle of when I'm uh, preparing all this. So uh, how perfect. But um, they were lamb blasting the news and really across the state for not only printing ballots with a U.S. Senate candidate that lost the Republican primary, but also for sending those flawed ballots to voters who requested to vote early. Someone didn't do their job of reviewing the ballots prior to printing. Right? Now, there is a lot of detail, right, that um, uh, is in here. So just try to pay attention a little bit. So I, there's a, and Schuyler County is actually part of our new 15th district, right? So, uh, and there are approximately 6,843 voters within that county that are in the 15th, right? It's uh, the third smallest amount of population of counties, right, in the whole district. It's the, large, it's the largest district in the state. It spans from New Boston all the way to Paris. I mean, I like the way that sounds, but... It's a massive amount of territory for anybody to cover, even with a lot of money. So, Jake Sheridan, the Chicago Tribune, uh, he's had to, I'm sure, do a bunch of callbacks on this very complex story. Because there's a lot of moving parts to it, and uh, I bet there's going to be some fallout later on somebody. Maybe this uh, Jake Sheridan may not have a job after this election but that's part of the protective mechanism of these county clerk positions right they're supposed to have you know uh, somebody on the ballot on come election day and if you mess up the election or, or the primary you know there's consequences for it right if you mess up uh, you know there's should be accountability and that accountability comes through the voters but as I'm going to go into a little bit later, that has been changing in America, right? Because of the way our communities have been kind of coalescing around uh, these kind of silos of, I wouldn't call it ideology really, but you know, it's culture. So rural has been definitely more Republican and, and urban is more Democratic. You know, and, and the data is very clear on how bad it's getting. Um, yeah, doesn't matter how many people vote in an election. It's this uh, collecting of 
people and like-minded people is getting worse and worse as our population declines in just about every rural county. So, apparently the uh, State Board of Elections in, in the Schuyler County case, uh, they approved a ballot for the county that had the right Republican candidate's name. Uh, you know, that did, you know Peggy Hubbard, let's just say, she ran against Dick Durbin two years ago, right? And I have to say she's one of the most heinous people I've ever met in my life. Um, oh my God. I um, it was down at Johnson County at a, at a campaign event and I have never seen somebody lie so much in my life. And it was just jarring stuff. I, um, yeah. I mean, I, I barely could stomach it, actually. And there's very few things I can't stomach. So somehow, someone in that county clerk's office, after that was approved by the State Board of Elections, sent a different ballot over to the printer. Now, I can imagine how that happened, right? Because guess what? It happens. <laughs> you have edits of files, right? And then when you get around to sending that file over to wherever, you select the wrong file to send, and then bam, you've got the wrong ballot. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, these, there's too many files, there's too many emails, there's too much uh, of the, everything's just, there's such a diversity within our technology, I think, and it makes it difficult, more difficult too, right? But that does, that's no excuse for this to happen, none. Uh, I'm not defending this at all. I'm just explaining how it probably happened. And in, in Schuyler County, in that primary, right, in June, uh, Hubbard actually defeated Kathy Sowie, who, you know, won the, the, the uh, Republican Senate primary for the whole state. It wasn't even close, though, that Hubbard beat Sowie. So you kind of want, you know, kind of there's some interesting elements in here where you can understand why somebody might see a name and go like, well, that makes sense. Because it was basically three to one. You know. And so this was not similar at all to what happened in the Moultrie County County Clerk's Republican primary. So, just keeping all of these things, you know, I like to compare and contrast things. You know, there's this non-approved ballot by the State Board of Elections was completed and returned with 45 votes for Hubbard. I checked the Illinois County Clerk election codes, right? And if you go over, go into them, like I said, it, you're, it hurts. It, it hurts. Um, and it's fairly clear fairly clear that throwing out all the votes for Hubbard, you can't replace them with another person, right? You just can't do that. Because those people voted for Hubbard. They probably did it before. They will maintain all of the votes in that grouping because there were other votes. So 307 incorrect ballots were mailed out. 155 were returned, right? But all the ones that voted for Tammy Duckworth and the Libertarian candidate will will count, but none for Hubbard. And obviously, in that uh, selection of forty-five, they um, those are just you know, Salvi's out out of luck. You know, what are the chances that it she might be close? You never know. And I mean, it could be a brutal winter day come November 8th. And that could really affect um, turnout in Chicago. Uh, it may not sound exactly fair, but it isn't all that the Schuyler County clerk is doing. Her name is Mindy Garrett. She is a Democrat, just to let you know. Just like Georgia. And the, like you heard, these are very bipartisan positions usually. It usually doesn't get to the point that it has in Moultrie County. That's a very 
odd thing to have happen. I've seen it in other ones. But it's usually not that, I mean, this is, what's happening in Moultrie County is really an anomaly. But there probably are other examples of this cycle. But according to the Tribune, the clerk's office had mailed 307 incorrect ballots and 155 of those ballots had been returned, but not processed, right? They are rescinding those 155 voters, the corrected ballots with a letter explaining the earlier mistake. Now, you can see how this can really get murky real fast, right? Because you got this, you're going to have, they're going to have a selections of different kinds of votes, right? And then they're going to have to manage all of that just right in order to, to minimize the damage. Yeah. It's, um, well, elections are not easy. They are not easy to run. You know, that's why there are independent observers that we send, you know, like President Carter has a, you know, um, I believe he still has one, an organization that goes around the world and uh, observes elections to make sure that they're above board. And as you also heard, Darren Bailey's got, I mean, I, I, I actually heard part of it at the, breakfast the other day. I'm so glad that it was in this clip because I can actually talk about it a little bit. But I think that, you know, kind of, you know, um, poll watching is a very important part of uh, get out the vote strategy. You know, not everybody can do it because you don't have the money, you don't have the, the logistical operation set up to manage it properly for especially for a statewide race and they've labeled the the state in three different ways like so green counties are real you know they think are good right um they have good county clerks i guess or election systems yellow ones are kind of in the middle and then you've got red ones which they think are could have potential for a you know election violations and I've heard all sorts of things my whole life, and I've seen things myself, um, personally. Now, of course, that was when I was in Indiana, in Indianapolis, you know, in some of the, you know, yeah, some tough neighborhoods. And it was always, I will, I would say, it was always a Republican election judge that was um, trying to, what well, was electioneering right in the polling place. I couldn't believe it. It was, um, it was horrible. So, I'm not trying to say that to demean Republicans. It's just being clear about all of it. And uh, of course, I've seen right there is a great uh, a great example in Indianapolis. You know, Bart Peterson, who was the Democrat, he was very popular, right? And um, he ran a pretty uh, lazy campaign, and he lost uh, because it was such a beautiful day, and nobody gave a crap to come out for a municipal election and he lost to a Republican who ended up not being that bad. Um, he was actually quite an interesting character, that uh, that one. And uh, he wasn't bad. And I think a lot of times people just need to not fear so much, right? It's like we always are told these elections are, the, this is the election of all time, right? This is the one you've got, you've got to get involved in. Well, people should start getting involved more and find out more about what's actually happening locally because if you see there's a pattern which is all about it's always somewhere else that's way far away from here that you're supposed to be real angry and mad about as opposed to getting really in the know about what's happening in your own community because if you got to know about what's happening right here yeah in our backyards uh we might be really uh, angry at those folks that are running these communities and have been for a long time. I mean, it's Republicans have been running these rural counties for a very long time. Lots of Democratic folks have been running the county clerk's offices. And it's not that those are not easy positions, especially in this new era that we're in. And I think a lot of this isn't ideological. I think there's generational conflicts 
that are kind of erupting. You know, when somebody's been in a position for decades and then somebody new comes in and they're asking questions and they're looking up things and the other person really hasn't for a while, you know, it's friction is natural. Friction is natural in any dynamic, you know, workplace. And like you heard, they recognize that uh, uh, the position, the county court position, the role of them in these kinds of times is to be the voice of reason, to be the educator, right? And, and you know what? We all are not perfect people. And sometimes people make mistakes. Sometimes it's very difficult to admit them, right? It is. And, uh, and instead of sometimes admitting mistakes, People will point the finger and make up a whole bunch of stuff in order to distract from what they've done themselves. You know, and, and that's it, right? Because here in Moultrie County, there aren't 45 ballots that, you know, uh, that have a problem with votes, right? In that June primary, there were some significant mistakes that I've, you know, I have, I don't have confirmation on. I'm going to get to the bottom of it, but it won't be before the election, that's for sure. But I do know that there's three missing ballots. And that could have actually changed the outcome of that county clerk primary. Which is, you know, really tough. And there's other things, you know, but those things, a lot of these things have been happening for a long time. And these are not, you know, these are tough. And elections are supposed to be tough, right? People have to be tough. You have to be sharp. You have to be intelligent. You have to be strategic. You have to be tactical, right? Not in that order. <laughs> but you have to know when... to release the pressure on a situation and when to ratchet it up and you know I see how savvy some people are and they're you know, I, I get it who wants to leave on the worst note after 20 years 20 plus years you know Probably about no one. You know? So, let's return to that contentious board meeting, right? Back in July, you know. And let's let George off the hook. Just for now, right? At least for now, let's just let her off the hook, right? Because there's plenty of other things to look at. Because there's plenty of allegations that's swirling around all of this. And... You know, in fact, there's um, allegations of a 12-year-old getting accosted on, you know, just running campaign material uh, to a house. Of course, I have others, uh, you know, I have, uh, you know, a, um, a, la a lady that um, complained of some other things that happened, um, you know, way, way earlier. So there's lots of things, just a lot of people upset about all sorts of stuff. Sometimes I think it's better if we, you know, the Democrats and the Republicans, of course, they don't get together for a breakfast or a lunch or a brunch maybe, right? But maybe they should. Maybe there should be a community, political, you know, kind of event. And they should force everybody to do it. Because I think it would be healthy for people to start commingling again. Because it's not healthy being in a silo with, you know, just hearing the echo chamber. You know, it can really make you hard of hearing a different perspective. So by now, it is likely most people have heard some of these allegations, you know, pointed at another elected official. I mean, wow.
like we needed more. Again, I found the reverse order of the speeches to be enlightening, to help unravel a truth from tall tales told to discredit and ruin someone's reputation. And I'm not saying that this is, that the person I'm about to bring up is the one doing it, right? I, no, I'm not saying that at all. So Nancy Barker, and you know, if anybody in Solomon, they know who Nancy is. Somebody I've known almost my entire life. Of course, I've known almost all these people my entire life. At one point, I randomly ended up at her son's home in Chicago without any forewarning. You know, this is one of my favorite stories, right? I don't know which century this, uh, <laughs> this meeting took place. I really don't. I can't remember if it was the 90s or beyond that. But, um, I had no idea. I knew anyone inside this house that I was about to go into, you know. And I was with, uh, you know, so I guess a partner or boyfriend or whatever. And uh, he, uh, and this guy was dear friends with him, right? And I think it was the holidays. I'm pretty sure it was the holidays up there, if I remember it correctly. But uh, those were kinder, more carefree days, man. Oh, wow. A long way from January 6th and, you know, uh, you, you know this Ukraine na nastiness. Oh, my. But Nancy's son grew up just a few houses down the street from, from, uh, from me. It was one of those moments up there that I just won't forget because it was just a shocker when we all figured it out because I was like, I'd never forget a face, right? I'll always forget a name, but I'll never forget a face. And I now at this age, I think I start recognizing bone structure, right? Uh, you know, it's like genetic lines. So now I recognize how people are related to somebody else. Um, so what are the chances that I would wind up in Chicago, you know, and, you know, taken to somebody's, you know, little holiday party, knock on the door, and the person who <laughs> opens it is somebody that grew up two houses down from me. So, well, this happens a lot to me uh, throughout my whole life, so it's kind of crazy stuff. But uh, nice little delightful story to tell. Enjoy it, and I wish them all the best. And But I just wanted to prepare everybody with a little nicety because we're about to take what I'm going to call the Barker Substitute Challenge. Are you all ready? Because uh, here we go. I know, I know we have discussed this, but you also said that when, when it is slow up there, that you would do that. Well, if it's slow up there, then maybe you don't, like I say, you don't need the county or the deputy treasurer then full time. I'm just saying that to me, as, as a county elected official, you either want to be the county treasurer or you want to be a substitute teacher. You cannot be both on county time. That is my take on it. And to me, it is still double dipping. Either way you look at it, you're being paid by the school and you're being, I, I don't know how you're paid. I know that you are salary. I know that you do not have vacation time, but you do have vacation time built in there because you can take time off and still be paid. But my point is, you're an elected official, you should be here from 8.30 to 4.30, not subbing at the school. And I don't think it's a good example that you're setting for other new elected officials coming into the courthouse. That's my take on it. The complicated issue. I don't know if I'm speaking as the public or the elected official in this case. Um, I am the official that was subbing in the school when the school was in dire need of subs. It was not something that was happening on a regular basis. It was something that was happening at the very last minute. It wasn't whether my office was slow or busy. If I was way too busy, I never left this courthouse. If it was slower enough that I wasn't needing to sign checks or do this or that, I would take my laptop, work entirely with QNS to be able to use my planning time that I was allocated there, work through the lunch hour there, come in after school and work until 4.30, 
And I, as an elected official, like every other elected official in this room, does not receive vacation, sick, or personal time, and do not have the liberty to take such days other than we work when we work for the salary. Our job is to get it done and get it done right. And I left my home at 6.30 this morning and yesterday morning for work. I have yet to be home to my home, and it's 8, 8 p.m. So I feel like I have done my duty to serve the taxpayers, and I welcome any comments and conversations. I've had exchanges and conversations with Nancy, and I am happy to discuss that with you. I have not even re-executed a contract to do it because it was done on an emergency basis only. So I'm going to take this on directly. Does anyone know what it takes to become a substitute teacher in Illinois? Well, unfortunately, I do after a lot of fun digging. And it's convoluted and the answer is not exactly clear. So first, in order to get started, you have to get yourself a, an account on this online system with the state. That costs $50. Then you've got to have your alma mater, you know, that has your bachelor's degree or whatever. Uh, you have to have that sent to the system. Once those credentials are approved, you've got to pay another $60 to the same site, right? <laughs> so if you have a bachelor's degree or higher, you know, that cost, I, I, you know, well, I guess I should leave it out. However, uh, shouldn't we consider adding in the cost of making a student loan payment? Especially since that's been in the news. Yeah. And I think they just finalized this yesterday, actually. So it is really important. And if you are in public service, it'd be $20,000 that you're gonna get cut off of that bill, which is such a, a huge relief for these folks. I mean, I know teachers, I mean, a lot of people have lots of strong opinions about all of it, but um, it is not an easy job. <laughs> it's not. And they think they have the summer off, it's like, uh, that's completely ridiculous but and it's not your regular um, you know it's not like a nine to fiver right yeah I mean I taught in uh, taught sex ed in uh, inner city schools that was that was actually kind of fun so costs of that are roughly $234 per month you know the uh, the amount that you would be paying from that salary, right? Because they really do cut you. So I would add that in, but not everybody would. And then there's the background check, right? There's a background check. That's about $70. I'm not done yet. Because you also have to get your well, you know, children, they got to have a health, health exam. Well, so do teachers. And that can be a wide range. You know, some people get free health exams every year. Some people don't, right, with their plans. Sometimes it's $25. But if you have to pay cash, the cash value in Illinois is $426. Who knows how they come up with that awful price? I mean, come on. I mean, it's just... Uh, when you start seeing some of this stuff, it just makes you just sick. And who can afford that? So that whole price tag, if you don't have anything, is if you don't have a job, you don't have money, you're done. You do not get in the door. So people think, well, I'm sure that it's all fine, right? Well, nine days comes to what was $108 a day that a substitute teacher is making in a very stressful place. And then, you know, then and now is kind of dangerous. I don't know about anybody else, but considering how many times I've almost died from stuff, and this damn virus, I 
would have to say that it is not right that these people don't get paid more. As HR director at a nursing home, I probably pushed too hard for my fellow workers. Yes, I pushed very hard, too hard probably, because I, that's just my nature. I fight for other people, you know, to usually my detriment, right? It's just how I'm wired. I'm wired differently than just about everybody I've ever met. So, at $108 a day, that's $972, you know, subtract $190 and another $250, let's say, you know, that's roughly $532. Wow. So I would wager Stephanie Helmuth wins this Barker Substitute Challenge, right? I would say she does. I mean, if you call that worth it for nine days, that's ridiculous. They should be begging people to to get in there. And how what an opportunity for those students to have the county treasurer be right there with them and they be able to see their local government being a extra public service to their children. That's how I look at it. But we all get choices, right? We get to choose. We can write narratives that tear people down or we can write narratives that uh, see opportunities, right? And I'm an opportunities person. You know, that's why, you know, it's, I, it's, I was at the EIU homecoming parade over the weekend and I, uh, I've been in so many parades, I couldn't even watch them for years. So this is really the first parade I've been able to watch. And I was really kind of impressed with uh, some people showing up, you know, I was pr you know, so glad to see, you know, Gail Mason, uh, Matt Titus, Mike Watts, all in the parade. And tell you, Gail Mason's really, she is working hard on her campaign, I can tell. Um, and Mary Miller showed up as well, I'm pretty much walking by herself by the looks of it. And I just cannot stand it when people yell awful things at anybody uh, in these parades, but for, and especially elected officials and candidates, because it is not an easy thing to, to do this all the time. I mean, I did 98 parades in one campaign season, and it is exhausting. It's also exhilarating and energizing sometimes, but, you know, just, I, it, these people are putting their lives and their, their families' lives on the line. You may disagree with everything that they stand for, but they are, you know, they deserve a, a, a modicum of respect, even if they don't give it to, you know, children and um, you know they don't give it to people that um, they don't deem worthy of the same shot of the American dream as them. hurts that I have to like defend her at all just because anyway people oh yeah mm -mm. nobody deserves to be yelled at especially a 12 year old kid that's just giving you know, campaign materials to you I mean it's not that big of a deal and yeah, of course I wasn't there. There's no video of this, you know, and I know how these people operate. So. But that that person that's now running for county treasurer from the county clerk's office, you know, she's made a lot of claims. But um, I've also heard multiple reports that she's late about three minutes at least every single day, chronically late. Pam, you know, three minutes doesn't sound like much, but she's making these uh, allegations about all this double dipping. 
and getting other people to, you know, follow her down that path of toxicity, which they're all blaming on the same person. And I got to say, uh, when <laughs> it all begins to, to not look very good. So three minutes a day times 260, right? That's the amount of days of work, right? That's about 13 hours times four-year term, which is what she's going for. That's 52 hours. And we're being generous with this three minutes, I think. Meaning, I'm sure it's not just three minutes. That's why the treasurer has been calling for a time clock to be used for all employees and officials at the courthouse so people know, so that the voters can know who is in and when and how, right? So there's some accountability. But, you know, when you've been doing things your way for 17 years or 21 years or whatever, or even one day, you do not like somebody calling you out or holding you accountable, right? Those people are insignificant, which is what Georgia called them in her exit letter. Uh, when somebody inquired uh, about a candidate's time working in that office, this is somebody else, right? In that county clerk's office. It may have triggered these irregular hours to begin. Oh, yeah. So, I have reports of this person being in... Okay, now this is all kind of uh, a hodgepodge of stuff. And I, I just... It, none of it makes sense to me. I think people were getting, giving her bad advice. The people that she's working for, you know? So, what is she supposed to do? Go against it? I don't think so. That wouldn't be very wise to go against those folks. So I don't think a person could probably blame her. But uh, apparently on uh, the Day of the Bethany Parade, this candidate was in, you know, in the county clerk's office. And, you know, this was the, mon you know, this was the message she would tell people of, you know, when they came in the door and she was the first person they saw because her desk is right there. I, I just don't know why they had somebody who, who told every single person that came in to deal with the elections that she couldn't do the elections because she's on the ballot. If that's true, it's just, just not a very... Um, it just opens a person up for criticism. Yeah. But um, I would have put myself in a different place altogether. And why in the world would you be there on a Saturday during early voting? I mean, it doesn't make sense. It's just it's just not very well thought through, right? And uh, a lot of this just seems like that whole office seems to be a mess. I put in a request probably three, four weeks ago for, you know, information that should be available to the public right now, right? Actually, during the forum at the little theater Pam talked about how she's the one who sets up the website well the website's terrible it's got out of date information of course a lot of this has changed a lot of this is because of the way Georgia quit which I am looking into why it happened the way it did there's a lot of really um Big question marks and huge concerns I have, and they're growing, unfortunately, because the the more you know smoke somebody you know starts billing, you know, the more I think there might be a fire over there. Especially after they kick me out, and then they come up with these banners that say, "Who do you trust?" Right? I mean, it all kind of like seems like a. Pretty good scam. Yeah. Because there's this, you know, the Attorney General was involved. I uh, 
I'll tell you, they are probably going to try to keep running uh, the clock until they can avoid the election altogether, I can imagine, you know, so they don't have to answer all these difficult questions, because I'm sure they didn't realize that she, Georgia would be in the office after she quit like this. You know, it's supposed to be, you know, how was she in there when it's toxic? I don't know. I don't, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> However, I should say this, there's no rule, and this is what, what's so weird about it, I, and I think it's just bad advice that they gave, you know, the, the person who won the county clerk's race, that uh, there's no rule against any employee in the office working an election that they're on the ballot for. There's no, there's no rule against that. Because there's supposed to be checks and balances on all of this. But I think all those checks and balances are gone. They sure seem it. Because who knows what in the world George is doing in there. I mean, is she even registered on the books? Is she insured if something were to happen to her? I don't know. Uh, I know that I've got a laundry list of new questions. Oh my. And... This is the thing. So the reason why they got so upset on Friday was I had submitted a, a you know a batch of FOIA requests, and unlike my FOIA requests being answered, right, mine get through you know get answered at the max time, right, that they can respond to it legally. They, you know, FOIA requested my FOIA requests, right, and they got it immediately. That sure doesn't sound like equal protection under the law, I don't think. And I have no problem with them seeing what I want to look at. Uh, but I'm still waiting on those FOIAs to come through. I don't know why they're so upset about it. Why would people be upset that you're just looking at public documents that anybody could access? Unless they're destroying them right now. I don't know what they're doing over there. I don't know if anybody does. But um, I'm not going to throw this into a broader set of narratives. Oh, that's what I'm, I'm going to do, actually. I'm going to throw this into a broader set of narratives, right? Because I do think I understand a little bit about the, the stew the atmosphere that, you know, Pam and Georgia and Democrats and in general have been, you know, living and working in for a long time. And it's been getting a lot worse very quickly over the last six years. You know. And it begins with, you know, starting about 50 years ago, there began a trend, right? There's a big old wave election, you know, Reagan won, and then we got all this Reaganomics, what I call zombie economics. And it's a very simplistic way of talking about economics that, you know, kind of, it seems very common sense-ish, right? And it's never worked. And so we always like, just kind of like pendling back and forth because we as the American people have very short memories and very quick tempers when things don't go well, like the inflation, uh, gas prices, you know, all that. So over the course of these 50 years, our country's kind of gone to a place where there were contentious elections on a, the ballot of every county just about in the country. But that's no more the case. Because about 60 to 70%, maybe even higher now, of the country is considered blowout territory, you know, by one party or the other. You know, that means the election really isn't competitive at all. Uh, and wouldn't be, no matter how much money you poured in. And we just watched the Marcus Flowers uh, race 
with Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I've just found out who one of her interns is, which is uh, Milo. Um, uh, that, uh, well, he's a, well, there's, we'll get into that in a whole other podcast, I bet. Because uh, that's a very fascinating guy. Um, and a very fascinating scenario that he's concocted. Who knows who's playing who. But that means, um, you know, so this blowout territory stuff, right? It means the election really isn't competitive. And even if there is someone on the ballot opposite the Republican in rural areas and opposite the Democratic candidate in urban areas and increasingly in suburban areas. But I'll tell you, there are new data coming out. <laughs> uh, suburban women is not looking good for Democrats this cycle. And that's got to be concerning because they have been running uh, on the you know abortion and these rights uh, in a I think a very myopic way. Um, but I don't think either party really understands constitutional principles, which is why we have the Supreme Court that probably we deserve at the moment. So here's an example uh, of how the lack of investment and engagement by Democrats in rural America has directly led to increased divisions and the idea of two Americas living nearly side by side. Now, so this ain't that far back and everybody remembers Hillary Clinton, I'm sure, but her husband was president, you know, when she was first lady. And when President Clinton, Bill Clinton, won his first election, he won 1,117 rural counties. Now, fast forward. Wow. So when was that? That was 92, right? 1992. Now we're all the way. Oh, boy. 2022. Well, 2020, right? We're now in 2022, right? Well, so President Biden barely won 194 rural counties. It's not by accident this is happening. And anyone who remembers Moultrie in the 70s, it was a Democratic county. Many of our rural counties were blue back then. But that's also when the state re-engineered the state constitution. We got this gosh-awful flat tax. and You know, people have strong opinions on that, I know. But um, it just doesn't make sense for, for workers, and especially small businesses, you know. Ugh. Well, um, but let's, you know. People wonder why the property taxes are so high. Ugh. It's certainly not from paying workers more. In fact, uh, since, since back then, every single seat that the Democrats have lost south of I-80 in Illinois, not a single one of them has ever been won back. Not a one. Not a one. Dems let the Reagan Revolution and all those failed, you know, zombie economic policies for blue-collar workers in the middle class, you know, killed it. Killed the middle class. Because... It's been a, on the decline ever since, as wealth and super wealth has been on the, the super incline, right? I mean, that's literally the trajectory of all of this. Just, if you don't think I'm true, it's true. Look it up. You know, um, but the Democrats never came up with a, they never formulated a economic message to win back those voters. They just threw in the towel. Huh. Sad, really. Just like this whole mess in the courthouse. We basically have one semester in high school for people to understand our government. We barely study, debate, and discuss actual American history anymore constitutional principles, and, and I don't know many people who know a thing about what's really going on in their communities, like I said earlier. That's because both parties are about attacking the other party more than solving anything.
There are different degrees, certainly, but it's basically the same thing progressives do to Manchin, simply because he stands by his principles and what he feels do well. Instead of debating the ideas and policies, meaning come up with a better argument that can pass the Senate, they attack Manchin personally without any idea that there would be nothing happening in the Biden agenda without him in that West Virginia seat. Yeah, I mean, both parties are just gosh awful at all of it, right? I mean, they all attack anybody within their little tent that has any kind of disagreement with them. Oh, wait, that just happened, didn't it? Yeah, I have lost a lot of respect for a lot of people. I mean, I, I t tell you, you learn that none of these people stood for a damn thing ever. Ever. You know, I had a long conversation with lots of people. But I've always been the same kind of person. And I think people can see that consistency over time. You know? It's rough. I'm a tough person. I know. Just ask my mom to say how infuriating I am. Yeah. So there's a lot more to go into. I, I am I can't believe it myself. So this is what I would call the you know kind of the purgatory uh, section of our uh, divine world comedy. It's interesting, I gotta say. And there's a lot more to come. I have heard of uh, some uh, trip into the Amazon on the county dime. Or it could be just using the county credit card on Amazon. I don't know. I am looking into that. I am looking into uh, what happened uh, the week prior to the primary. You know, and why uh, somebody wasn't in the office. I, I also know that election workers would have not been paid in a more timely manner than they were had there not been manipulation of the entire courthouse system by the county clerk's office on the day of that board meeting where she quit. And they did not tell the county treasurer about what they were doing and how they were keeping her out of that room or trying to so they could smear her without her hearing it and being able to respond. Because the checks were printed at 5.07 p.m. And the board meeting was at 7. Yeah, and the text messages came in about that, about 2.14 p.m., I believe. I'm thinking that's about right. So what about these three ballots that are missing, right? What about that? I mean, what happened with that primary? Why was it a mess? Why were there people at a precinct, at the different wrong precinct, right, voting? They were all, you know, there's so many mistakes that were made. There are honest accountings at that very board meeting where uh, staff in the county clerk's office admitted to mistakenly submitting to the newspaper all the candidates that were on the primary ballot save, well, you know. Yeah. Big mistake. And I've got issues with County officials going on private property, taking off, taking down signs, even though they've been told year after year after year that that is not appropriate. Even when they've been told ahead of time to not do it, they just immediately go to do it. <laughs> I'm checking into all of these because I just can't believe that this is the, the, just the, the nature of people. But 
you know, it's like I say, elections are not easy. They're not. It's not some, you know, picnic for ants after everybody's left all the food out and everybody's running around, you know, chasing after the, you know, having a pig chase. Yeah. Wow. And there's a real problem with the election judges as well. So a list was submitted. There are people that, I don't know, may have been dead, may have been moved away, I don't know. But I'm trying to get a hold of that. Guess what? You cannot get any of the election results from the primary anywhere. None. You can't even get a list of precinct committee folks from either part from that county clerk's office. They are non-responsive. Now, they, they all hate it when the FOIA hits the fan, but that probably is the only way to get information out of them. And it's really frustrating, especially when they kick people out of events they paid for. And then try to deny that. They're a bunch of liars. Who do you trust? Well, I don't trust them. That's for sure. And, um, you know, I give everybody a, a shot and I give everybody multiple shots, right? People can turn the ship around. But I'll tell you one thing. I know when people have gone too far and they know it too. I'm all wound up and 